How's it going? I'm Nate Fox. And I'm Ethan Siegel. And this is the Red Cedar Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Michigan State basketball, the, uh, the entire season up to this point, go through each of their wins, a couple of their losses, and highlight the PK85 tournament that they just did this past weekend. And then later in the podcast, we'll be doing some Pistons talk, uh, talk about their season so far. Uh, Ethan will be joining me for the Michigan State portion, and we'll get it going. Yeah, well, first and foremost, Nate, thank you for having me on, on the Red Cedar podcast. It's a dream of mine to um, actually be on this, so just want to show my gratitude there, and thank you for having me. Um, but where to start, really? Michigan State 5-2. and two. It's a pretty good start to the season, wouldn't you say? It's a very good start. We got a couple great wins over Villanova, Kentucky. Uh, One-point loss to the Zags is pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, just what I have to say about that Kentucky win, that was probably our best win to date. It has um, to be, yeah. It has to be. Um, yes, we, we went down to Gonzaga, um, you know, that was that was a pretty tight game. Yeah. But um, and, I mean, it was on the air carrier. There's a lot of factors in. Yeah, it's a big game. Like but it, the game against Kentucky, I want to point out, especially uh, Matty Sissoko, he was huge. Just mm-hmm. not only on the offensive um, on the offensive end, putting up 15 plus points, just also the work that he put into um, mm-hmm. um, what's his name, uh, Oscar Deshiwe. Deshiwe, yeah. So so I thought that that stood out to me about that game. Uh, yeah, what do you, what do you reckon? So I got. I wrote down here, um, so we had 16 points and 8 rebounds, yep. which is huge. Yeah. And they mirrored his minutes with Oscar. So obviously they were trying to match him up with him. They only exactly. wanted Sissoko guarding Shibwe. And I thought that was a masterstroke by uh, the good old Izzo. Mm-hmm. Um, just just knew exactly what, what we needed to do to get that done. And once he sort of nullified Shibwe, then we were able to do our own thing on the offensive end. Um, so yeah, I thought that stood out. And then post the, the Zaga game, I've actually thought um, AJ's been pretty pretty decent for us, just Over, distributing yeah. the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks pretty calm and collected when he does have it and just sort of creates something for us. Um, and it's just nice to have someone that looks confident running up, the, running up the court. I totally agree. I think this season it is his team. Like Tyson Walker might be your scorer. Soko might be your defensive <clears throat> stopper. Yeah, for sure. Aikens might be there for shot creating, but Hogarth is running the offense, and it, it's his team. He's... 100%. Um, I wanted to ask you a question. I know this is your podcast, Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you a question. I mean, that Phil Knight tournament, going in, I thought we were a big chance, a big sniff. we mm-hmm. coming off a, a bit of momentum, and we could have um, hit that with running, but we played Bama, and at halftime, it looked like we were going to win. Um, they scored mm-hmm. this. We went. We had a three-point shot by Brooks. I think that missed, and then they went down the other end and scored a three-point buzzer beater to right. go into that the half. That was Brandon Miller, yeah. And um, I thought that is where we sort of lost it. But um, I wanted to take your, I guess, pick your brain, especially with the injuries that we had and how how you think we've done in, with that tournament. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you look at the Bama team and you see Drew Miller, you see a bunch of good players like that all surrounding him. I mean, you. Or Brandon Miller, I apologize. You know that they're a great team, and they're a very fast team. Yeah. They, they play with a lot of speed. And Michigan State likes to play with a lot of speed too, but when you're missing guys like Jaden Akins who runs the break, you're missing guys like Malik Hall who can create for himself on offense, yeah. what you saw is you had two bigs. You had to play two bigs in there. It was typically Sissoko and Kohler or Kohler mm-hmm. and Carson Cooper. And when you have that sort of size out there it's very hard to keep up with the pace of Alabama 100% and the big thing that I saw is Alabama lit us up with three Um, and that was just because you had two bigs in the middle and they just they can't stretch out 
yep. to the three-point line. 100%. They similar to what Terrence Mann did to Ruby Gobert. Exactly the similar, same situation. Similar to that. Yeah. When you can create that mismatch and draw them out to the perimeter, then you know the inside's open. Then you know the three's going to be open. And I felt that that had a similar impact on the offensive side for Michigan State, where you had two bigs, so you... And if it was Sissoko and Kohler, mm. neither of them were stepping onto the three-point line. I mean, yeah. there's no chance. Awesome. So now you got two bigs in the center, and Hogard really, you know, his bread and butter, butter is driving the lane and getting a layup. So when you have now three defenders down mm. there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hogard was all clogged up, and that's why he had an off game. So, I mean, I've been, I've been saying this from round one or from the get-go. And it's taken two injuries for it to happen. But Pierre Brooks must start, and he's finally started, he's, and look what he's produced, He's right? phenomenal. He's got the confidence of anybody He's our three-point sniper. He can hustle on the defensive mm-hmm. end, um, and he's a strong body. That's exactly what we need. So I think, you know, going in thinking Malik Hall and, and Jaden Akins aren't there, I think we're able to sort of, I guess, fill that void. Yeah. Um, it allowed kind of a spotlight to hit Pierre Brooks, something 100%. that he had been looking for, and you could 100%. tell he had been looking for. And so Pierre Brooks has a bit of a soft spot for us because his cousin lives just down the door. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's one thing um, I say green tick to Izzo for um, mm-hmm. giving him the confidence to be able to, to execute. So, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, he had a couple uh, bad games. Uh, I think the Alabama game wasn't his best. But then you look at the Oregon game, and he was the offense in that game. You look at the Portland game, he shot the three ball incredibly well. I think he was four for four at half yeah, or four something for four, like that. Yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, it's just... It's really incredible the the confidence that this kid has. He'll he'll shoot fifteen threes in the game See, if he's I allowed think, to. I mean the other thing I know I know we're moving on a bit, but the other thing that really um tipped me off yesterday was just seeing those rankings, how Kentucky ranked ahead of Michigan mm-hmm. State. So I think that was pretty ordinary. Especially we've played one extra game and we're five and two, they're four and two and we beat them. Um so I think the rankings will sort of even itself out as the season gets older. Oh, I think um, so. And closer sure. to March. But yeah, what what do you have to say, Nate? I mean, with AP poll, they're gonna take every loss and they're gonna they're gonna take it at face value. Yeah. I mean, you you don't look at our loss to Alabama and you say, "Wow, they played terrible that game." It's well, you I look, look at, our, at it and you I look say, at our loss to Bama and Gonzaga and be like, "Look, we've played two fantastic teams and we've been neck and neck with them." Exactly. Um, and those are the only two games we've lost. So, I mean, it's on, onwards and up on, onwards and upwards uh, from here. I agree, and I, I think Michigan State really. They're they're gonna rise in the rankings as soon as we get into Big Ten play. uh, I think they're gonna be very good. They've got their upcoming game against Notre Dame. I think that's a great opportunity to get a statement win um, when they're in when they're at Notre Dame. And then you look at conference play, and our first conference game is Northwestern, and I believe they just got the doors blown off on by Pitt. So maybe they're a little bit weaker, and we can get our first conference win there. I think that would be big going cool. into the season and should raise the rankings a ton. Yeah. So what have you what have you thought about Tyson Walker? Tyson Walker, I think he's been huge for us in this uh in that Phil Knight tournament. I thought he was a he was a genuine scorer for us. Mm-hmm. Um look the play that they try to run for him against Zaga didn't really work out. Right. Um but And I mean you look at the Kentucky game, he had the two yeah, I think he's. I think he's. He took good shots, but he just missed them. You know. Yeah, I think he's just a scorer for us, though. Like to be honest, like I think AJ is sort of more that distributor, mm-hmm. um, and I think Walker's more of that. You know, he can get off the dribble and, and shoot, get his own shot. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I think he's been. Creator. I think he's been really important for us lately, um, and yeah, I think he's. 
he's a what? He's a freshman? No, he's a. Uh, he's no, a, he is a a senior. A senior. I okay, he was yeah. a transfer. Gotcha. From gotcha. I want to say Coastal Carolina, but that yeah, could right. be totally wrong. Yeah, so he's been really critical for us, but overall, I mean, overall, I think the season's been great. The defense has obviously got to be top three in the Big Ten. Could yeah, be number sure. one. I 100%. mean, it 100% could be number one. Yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah. I mean, you look at Iowa, they've got a great defense. Uh, Wisconsin, they always have a good defense for some reason. Uh, but Michigan State, they've got to be number one. If if they're not, yeah, you know, it, it's it's top three at minimum. I think you hit the money. On, and the day, yeah. I think that's really what Izzo's going to hang his hat on this year because yeah. we don't have that go-to guy on the team. Or at yeah. least we haven't found him yet. Maybe yeah. it's Tyson Walker. Maybe it's Jaden Akins or Malik Call. But um, I definitely think that the defense is where he's going to hang his hat. And the offense isn't bad either. Mm. Um, you just have to figure out who that go-to guy is. 100%. So... Any other thoughts you got? No, I mean, look, it's just onwards and upwards. It's very early in the season now. Um, but thank you for having me on the podcast, Nate. It's been absolute. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Of course. Um, and I wish you all the best for future endeavors. I appreciate it. Thank you, Love sir. having you here. Thanks, Nate. Thank you, appreciate Ethan. It. And we'll get back in just a little bit with some Pistons basketball talk. Welcome back to the Red Cedar Podcast. We just said bye to uh, Ethan Siegel. Another shout-out to him. He gave us some great input on Michigan State basketball. But now to change focus into the Pistons basketball section. Um, first thing I wanted to hit on was the Cade Cunningham injury. So previously he had been averaging about 20 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. I uh, was really finding his rhythm after a couple shaky games. And then, you know, probably an all-star. Um, but then he got injured. It um, seems that he had some shin splints that might have turned into a stress fracture, which obviously is very serious, and they got to be very careful with. So there's two options. One is just to let him rest for a couple months, come back when he's ready, you know, let him gel into the offense, and the other is to uh, get surgery for it, um, which would definitely sideline him for the rest of the year. Um, so then you just have to decide is that the route you want to take? And I, and I think for the Pistons' purposes, bringing Cade back at the end of the season, it's you might win a couple more games, but with the draft class that's coming up, you don't necessarily need to win more games. By that time, you're not competing for a play-in spot. You're not competing against other teams. You just need to you know, let the young guys play, let them lose games on their own, and draft really high in the next draft. And I think looking forward and making sure that Cade is is right, Cade is set, is going to be the the right option. So I hope they go the surgery route and we see Cade back in the fall. But you know we'll see what they end up doing. Uh, the next topic is talking about the two rookies, Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. Um, first of all, they've both been phenomenal in their own ways. A um, little bit of criticisms for both, but both of them. This is best case scenario that we saw. Uh, Jaden Ivey, best case scenario, coming into the season was about 16 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. And he is currently 16 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Um, So obviously he's playing, and he's almost 17 points. Um, The Cade Cunningham injury has given him a little bit more uh, possession of the ball, given him a little bit more opportunity. But, I mean, even at that, he's played amazing, and you really cannot fault him. He hasn't shot the three incredible this year. Um, but we thought he was going to be worse than he's been shooting it. 
Um, I think he's shooting at about a 34% clip, um, which isn't great for NBA standards. But coming into it, we expected him to be closer to 30, 31%, maybe 32. So seeing him stretch that high is really, really good, and it's a great sign for his future development. For Jalen Duran, I mean, he's been, I mean, he's been amazing. Um, from a shot blocking standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, I mean, he's just been all over the games. Offensively, he's not quite there yet. Um, he takes some shots, you know, pretty much just dunks. He leads all rookies in dunks this year, um, going up against like guys like Paulo Bancaro, but um, he's doing it, and that's because I have to imagine dunking is 80% of his shot attempts, including free throws. Um, so obviously that has been amazing to watch, uh, seeing him just be able to dominate the floor. Off, outside of the offense on defense, there are some concerns with his following issues. Um, most games these days he is finding himself the 4-5 fouls, um, which is fine. You want him to be aggressive out there. You want him to attack and be you know, contest every shot he can. But when you're fouling that much, it can kind of hinder the offense a little bit. You can get the other team into the bonus easier. And, and, and with that, we knew that he was going to struggle with fouls every young big man, especially a guy who's as young as Jalen Duran is. I mean, he's only 19 and just turned 19 earlier this month. I mean, it's he's going to foul, and we're okay with that, you know, obviously. But we can still criticize and push him to try and be better. Um, but and the other issue with, with his defense is sometimes he finds himself getting goaltendings. I mean, he is easily averaging one a game right now, and a lot of these shots are not going into the hoop. Um, I like that he's aggressive. I like that he's jumping for these balls, going after every block he possibly can. But if he's giving up buckets that aren't going to be buckets, it's kind of a concern. And we gotta, he's got to be more careful with that. He's got to be more observant of the ball and the trajectory it's on. But overall, it has been a phenomenal season so far for both of them. We're at the... Uh, we're a little bit past the 20-game mark, which is typically your sign of sustained success. If you are averaging what you are through 20 games, you're probably going to continue. Um, I mean, you know, it gets rid of early hot streaks, early low streaks. Um, so we we feel pretty good about both of them. What I really wanted to bring up was Killian Hayes. So coming into the season. People were saying this is Killian Hayes' year. He has to prove himself, or he's going to be traded, or he's going to be cut, or whatever. And like he, this is his year. It's his third season in the league. He's really only played uh, one and a half full seasons due to his injuries, but it, it it's it's still a decision year. It it and it has to be. You know, I mean, up to this point, he's been averaging about you know five, six, seven points three assists or three rebounds and when you're drafting a guy at seven you just expect him to have a bigger contribution than you know that and starting off the season he was historically bad I mean he was shooting the ball worse than he ever has in his career he was easily the worst player in the NBA and he was still getting 20 minutes a game and getting 10 shots up and there was a lot of push for him to maybe go to the G League maybe try and uh, work out his issues there. But I give credit to Dwayne Casey. He let him stay in, 
and it was the Boston Celtics game on November 9th where he had 16 points, two assists, a rebound, a steal, and a block. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball crazy efficiently that day. Um, but, I mean, it was just, he did that all in 22 minutes. He was, his game score was 12 points, which was just phenomenal. Um, it's really good. I think that led the team that day, actually. And since that game, he has been on an absolute tear. And part of it comes with the Cade Cunningham injury, Boston Celtics game. That was the game that Cade was taken out. And there was questions on when he would return. We could tell that there was something wrong. So Killian got a little bit of extra play time that day. And since then, I mean, he is averaging 30 minutes per game with uh, box score averages of 11 points, three rebounds, five and a half assists, and a steal and a half. Uh, and this is all shooting 36% from three on four attempts a game. I mean, he has been phenomenal so far. <laughs> and it is amazing watching Killian Hayes really come into his own and figure out how to play. You know, at the beginning of the season, in preseason, we saw him working into the lane, getting these jumpers, getting these little hook shots, you know, and we got to the beginning of the season and he was timid. He was just scared for some reason. He was really just making, taking these pull-up threes, contested jumpers, and there was a reason why he was shooting how bad he was. I mean, he only had like 10 made buckets through the first 10 games. It was really bad. But since then, for some reason, at that Boston Celtics game, the the flip the switch flipped, and he has just been on absolute tear. He is making threes at a good clip. He is working his way into the lane. He's getting runners and floaters. He's getting wide open mid range shots, and he's knocking them all down. Short range mid range has been his uh, his bread and butter lately. Those turnaround hook shots, those little little uh, fadeaway. Fadeaway jumpers, um, but it's it's been really great to see Killian Hayes come into his own, and it's especially great because you just you want to see this guy succeed. You know, you spend the seventh overall pick on him, you expect him to be potentially an all star one day, and he's just not that guy. But you know, you drafted him based on his defensive and playmaking ability and the upside for offense, and the offense hasn't totally translated. He's gotten better especially in these last 10 games, he's shown that he has gotten better since since the beginning. Um, he's definitely shooting the ball better. You know, he's working into the lane. He's getting layups better. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's still your best perimeter defender on the team. Um, and I, I think that's a no-brainer. And not to mention, he is probably your second best passer on the team behind Cade Cunningham. Um, he makes incredible feeds for some reason. I mean, Watching him do an overhead pass to the other side of the court, you know, like a full court quarterback throw. I mean, it's it's incredible how it's always on the money, it's on the dot, and it, guys are being rewarded for running the floor when he's there. Um, so that's really all. Um, Pistons' next game is on the first, and they play. They play the Grizzlies. Um, that's a pretty big game for them. They've got to... No, I'm sorry. They play the Mavericks. The Grizzlies are on Sunday. Um, but the the Mavericks game is a big game. Uh, Luka Doncic will probably play, so we'll have to see 
who they end up throwing on them. I'm assuming it will be Killian Hayes defending him. Um, and I think that will be a good matchup to see how Killian does defensively. I don't think he's guarded Luka Doncic so far in his career, only because I believe uh, Kate Cunningham did last year for the two outings that they had against him. And then I think it would be Blake Griffin probably guarded him uh, Killian Hayes' first year. So we'll have to see how he does with that. I really hope they do play Killian Hayes on him because I would love to see Killian you know, defend potentially the MVP of the league and see how he does and see how he does on the offensive side as well. But with all that, that is the end of the Red Cedar podcast. I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Big thanks to Ethan Siegel again. He really helped us out earlier, gave some great input. And I'll see you guys next time.